What's going on, kids? This is the Leafs Convo podcast for Oak Ridge Ford. It is December 29, 2019. Season's greetings. Happy holidays. The new year is nearly upon us. I'm Norman James, along with Mike Jello, those Maple Brothers, coming off a six-game win streak, having it snapped against the Rangers at Scotiabank Arena Saturday night. But big deal. Points in seven straight games, 13 of 14 ticks along the way. This team is now second in the Atlantic Division, rising up the standings with a bullet. Mike Jello, how are you, sir? What's your take on everything that's going on with this team? Because it's been pretty good. Good morning, Norm. Um, well, I, I, as you know, always look at things realistically. And it's great news that the Leafs have earned points in seven straight games. Um, I frankly don't think they deserved a point last night, but they got it because of their offense and Austin Matthews scoring a couple goals mm-hmm. uh, to get them to get them a point. Um, but the concerns about uh, a number of factors. I mean, I, I, I look at the you know they're in second place, but they played forty games, and teams like Tampa Bay and Florida and Montreal have played two or three less. Yep. So. It may look a little bit comfortable, but it's not, and they have to keep winning, and it's going to be challenging with the injuries and with some of the things that they continue to do. Um, it's going to be challenging for them to keep piling up points when they play like that. Yeah, the Leafs haven't exactly kept the puck out of their own net, but they've been scoring like madmen, now second overall in the NHL with 142 goals for. Um, should eclipse the Washington Capitals at some point and – be the top scoring team in the NHL when all is said and done. The question is, how do they limit goals against? Because that's something they're going to have to do no matter how many uh, they score for. And this team right now seems to be offensively firing on all cylinders. So where do you want to begin here, Mike? Do you want to talk about how this team seems to be uh, next to unstoppable offensive force right now or do you want to maybe mm-hmm. delve into the fact that this team still has defensive lapses i mean it's it's going to be a prevailing thing until it's no longer that mm-hmm. um which way do you want to go well start with the positive i mean offensively they're you know they're everybody is is hitting right now i mean martyr in that game against carolina um you know austin matthews is now leading the team with 26 goals i think he i think i saw yesterday he's leading the nhl and even strength goals and, 18 you know, he's he's up there yeah he's up there in terms of the, the the league leaders he's on pace right now for 50 uh 52 goals i believe yeah. um and he's and, a plus you know, that's four, not out of the plus realm 14 too mike i mean he's on the ice for a lot of goals against but um a, a plus 14 on a team where then the next best guy plus minus wise is a plus seven and You've got stars like Marner and Nylander at a plus two. I mean, without Austin Matthews, where would this team be? Well, yeah, I mean, we found out what it's like to have one number one center when Tavares was out earlier in the year. I think to have to have him as a counterbalance and to take some of the uh, focus in terms of the checking mm-hmm. from the other team away from him helps Matthews and also helps Tavares. It's that one-two punch is, is very important. Now, you know, Tavares is, you know, kicking in, the odd goal. He's not. I don't think he's going to score forty-seven this year, but he's 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 matching up against the other team's top center, and he's he's generating offense. The the line last night, the the sort of uh, put together line of Kerfoot on the left wing with with Nylander, they played pretty well. And Nylander is actually, you know, for for those people who think it's all negative about William Nylander, I think he's played pretty well oh, yeah. the last couple six games. points in the last but two games, Mike. Again, when we switch to the the other side of this, the you know. And even they said it on the broadcast last night. I think it was Kevin BX. He said, you know, this guy is a scorer. This guy is a threat. But then he 
disappears. And that's the Mm -hmm. problem is like when he is not there, then, you know, it's the team is wanting because he, if like it or not, he's one of their top players and they depend on him for consistent offense and they, they need that. Well, he wasn't exactly going with Matthews there for a while. And this is what we like about Sheldon Keefe. There's an ingenuity to the way he operates and innovation, um, a want to be creative, a want to experiment. And wow, what a big deal taking Matthews and Nylander, splitting them up, giving Marner's top guy, Tavares, to Nylander, and then situating Marner and Matthews together. And look what it's done. I mean, offensively, this team has become a juggernaut. And uh, for, as, for as many people out there who felt like um, John Tavares was sent to purgatory playing with William Nylander. Uh, that was unfair to begin with, but anything but purgatory has been the uh, result. I mean, it's just been paradise for Nylander and Tavares working together. These guys have seemed like they're in on almost every other goal over the past few games, and it's been great. And then, of course, Marner and uh, Matthews uh, off and on over the last game in a bit. But um, I think Mitch, from my perspective, seems a little bit worn down. He hasn't been the best defensively. I mean, we talk about Nylander's defensive lapses. Mitch, mm-hmm. Mitch plays a lot, and he's out there. He, he kills penalties. Um, he's looked a little bit lost at times, but he could be getting a little worn down, obviously, missing a bunch of games. So things bode well going forward, knowing that the, def- the offensive side of the game seems to be taken care of, no matter how you line these guys up. It's what can you do defensively to shore things up so that um, there's more balance. You can depend on the team, no matter if it's at one end of the ice or the other. You can depend on the goaltender. You can depend on the defense. And you know that uh, things start to take shape for when the playoffs arrive. And you're going to need every aspect of your game to be firing on all cylinders to succeed there. Yeah, and, and, and the, uh, swinging to the, uh, to the uh, defensive issues. Um... I mean, the problem is it doesn't seem that they don't know what to do. It's a, it, at certain points, I, I, I've continued to refer to it as vapor lock. They get into these situations where they give up one goal and then they can't recover. And by the time you open your eyes, they've given up two or three. Mm-hmm. And it happened, it happened again with, uh, in New Jersey. Uh, where they're, you know, they're up two to one at the, uh, at the end of one, they exchange goals, five on three power play goal for Gusev to tie it to two cap and then comes back, takes the lead three, two, and then two goals involving Kyle Palmieri uh, within a span of three minutes. Uh, both on, you know, giveaways. One was on the fact that they could not get the puck in their own zone. They kept fumbling it around. Palmieri circles the net and then scores. And and then the other one, a, a, a ridiculously bad mm-hmm. giveaway right at the blue line by Casper Kapanen that ends up going the other way on a two on one. And it's like, the, you know, you, uh, you know, I, Michael Hutchinson was not a fault for any of the four goals. Uh, and I know that the if, you know, people are tired of hearing that excuse, but when your team plays bad defensively, whether it's in front of your starter or your backup, mm-hmm. you can't hold the backup resp- or you can't hold the goaltender responsible. If you make, you know, you want the goaltender to make a 10 bell save and save, save the team's bacon, but more, more times out of, out of not when it's the backup, yeah. they're not going to, that's, that's the reason why they're the mm-hmm. backup is because they're, they're, they're not, not as good as the starter. And, Thankfully, Hutchinson's gotten them a couple wins that was much needed, but this team needs to be able to nail it down defensively. They cannot do it, and they have these lapses right now. Now, whether they can change that by the end of the season, that's the $64,000 question. Does Kyle Dubas attempt to change the complexion of the defensive core, knowing he can rely now on his offense and on a head coach who is going to make changes on the fly? Well, I, I mean – 
I think the answer to that is yes, because now with the injury to Jake Muzzin, and it doesn't sound like it's a short-term injury, I think it's going to be probably, if it's a broken foot, it's probably going to be four or five weeks. Then, you know, they don't have a lot of depth. I mean, it's funny. Sheldon Keith before the game yesterday, said, I'm really excited to have Martin Marinson back in the lineup. Sheldon Keefe is the only person in that building who is excited that Martin Marinson was in the lineup because we know what Martin Marinson is. He's a borderline NHL defenseman who they have called up and sent down, I think, eight mm-hmm. times in the last three weeks. You know, he, he is not a long-term answer. Maybe Timothy Liljegren gets in because they called him up yesterday. You know, maybe they'll go back to, say, Kevin Gravel um, in the four weeks. But I think Dubas and Elliot Friedman reported yesterday that they're – uh, listening to offers and shopping potentially Jeremy Bracco, it's not going to be for a draft pick. I would assume they would use a guy who was a second uh, in the AHL in scoring last year uh, to get themselves a young defenseman or maybe a left winger yeah. because they've had some injuries on the left side. The Leafs, 40 games played, 47 points, just under a 100-point pace for the season. They picked up 100 ticks Last season, I think if they keep playing the way they are right now with alterations and repairs being made to the rest of the team going forward, they should eclipse the 100-point plateau for 2019-2020. This is the Leafs Convo podcast presented by Oak Ridge Ford in London, Ontario. Norm James in London, Mike Agello in Chicktawaga, New York. Season's greetings, happy holidays, a belated Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. It's all happening right now, and it's all happening on the Leafs comp. I'm going to run down a few of our OGs and converts from community in just a few minutes, the types of people like yourselves who help to uh, make this podcast experiment what it is. Mediocre. But, hey, Mike and I are hanging on for dear life, <laughs> and that's what it's all about. I want to throw out a couple of names here. Uh, Ilya Mikheyev, pretty severe injury. Hope he's okay. What are you mm-hmm. hearing? Well, it was – artery severed and tendon set, severed they uh the the reports after the injury uh, was that uh he will recover and he will be you know back to normal but the question is when uh the report from his agent daniel milstein and from the Leafs said a minimum of 90 days and then they'll reevaluate if you project out 90 days that's the end of march that's a week or two before the playoffs i seriously doubt unless he's a quick healer we're going to see mikhaev back this season because i mean he'll be able to skate obviously since it didn't affect his legs but you know there's there's the healing process there's the atrophy in terms of you know his his wrist and gaining regaining strength um if he comes if he comes back he's not going to be the same player that that played in the first half and that's a loss but uh but hunt for but fortunately it sounds like he's going to recover fully and he's a guy who at this organization sees a future for absolutely 23 points eight goals in 39 games let him rest let him heal let him get through this uh unfortunate period in his young career and let this guy come back and contribute to a stanley cup winner in 2021 uh, who else do I want to throw out there? Jason Spezza looks like he's got some legs. Eh? He scored that goal against Carolina. The afternoon game in which Sheldon Keefe put him in the lineup knowing that his family uh, was in the stands. That was a nice story, but I think Spezza has been a nice story contributing where he's been able to play over the last few games and really this entire season. He looks like he's got some legs under him. It looks like he's got a little extra life, and I'm excited to see this guy be a contributor going forward. Yeah, I, I, I like the fact that you know, they spot him. He, he, he can't play 16, 17 minutes, but as a, as sort of a 10 to 12 minute guy, he 
basically it's a, it's sort of like a reliever in baseball who used to be a starter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like a, a guy who was a guy who was a starter had to pace himself, you know, throw some extra curveballs or sliders or uh, changeups with, with, with Spezza now, I think Sheldon Keefe is telling him, go out and throw your 95-mile-an-hour fastball for as long as you can. And they're taking advantage of it because he's a really skilled player who can help on the second power play and helps out on the fourth line, gives them an offensive weapon that I don't think they would normally have. And I think that's valuable and will be valuable going down the stretch and in the playoffs. Every time I think of former starter turned reliever who made way too much money and did way too little on the mound, Jeff Weaver. Remember him, Mike? <laughs> oh yeah, former former Yankee. <laughs> He's making like ten million dollars. Ten million dollars coming out of the bullpen mid relief, throwing a couple of innings. Nice. But a guy, but a guy like Phil, a guy like Phil Hughes, who you, who both of us know, who was a starter with the Yankees, they converted him to the bullpen in '09, and he was a key to winning a World Series. He he just came out and threw gas, yeah. and that's what I'm saying. A guy like a guy like Spezza. You know, he I don't think he has the the he can't play the top six role that he was playing with Dallas, but making 700,000 a year and playing on the fourth line, he can fulfill Mm -hmm. that role of of being that sort of relief guy and that safety Mm -hmm. valve type of guy. And I think he's effective. He's no Joba Chamberlain, but whatever. Mm. OG's converse. Don't complain about us making baseball comments. Mike and I are both baseball heads. I played in college and professional. It is what it is. Pierre Engvall. What's your take on this guy? He is a. Interesting player because the way he operates on the ice, he's lanky. He's got that big head, that long stick, and mm-hmm. he looks he looks fun just to observe. But he actually can get it done too. And I, I still think he's trying to find his place. But he's one of those guys in the Ilya Mikheyev, Dmitry Timoshov mold that mm-hmm. there is a lot of excitement about what he might be able to produce. Well, it was funny yesterday watching the the leaps come out on the ice and seeing the names that were on the back of the jerseys. It's Adam Brooks and Gautier and Ingvall, Dermot, uh, Justin Hall. I mean, it's like the two. It's like the Marlies of two years ago. And obviously, now you have the coach, the former coach of the Marlies, and how important the de- the player development of this team. Remember, Ingvall was a seventh round pick. Um, I think it was 2014, who stayed over in the SHL in the Finnish league for a couple of years, only came over late in 2018. I, he had come over for a cup of coffee before that, but he can play wing. Mm-hmm. He can play center. Sheldon Keefe said after the game yesterday, because he moved him uh, to center after the injury, to the, the absence of McKayev and the absence of Trevor Moore. He says, I have no problem. I have all the confidence in the world to play Engvall at center. So he played third line center. He's played wing. Um, he's a top, top penalty killer. And this is a guy, and he's got, I think, four goals. He, if I'm Kyle Dubas, and he's coming to the end of his entry-level contract, I try to get him locked up for three or four years at around two, two and a half million dollars because this guy is a player. He's got the size mm-hmm. that is not, not common in this organization, and he's got speed and skill, and he provides a lot of things that a lot of other players don't. So I, I would get him locked up as long as I can for as economical a number as I can, and I think they wouldn't be sorry. A few more minutes, a couple of OG shout-outs coming up, uh, but I'm going through the Leaf skaters right now, uh, just getting Mike's impressions. Morgan Riley, the guy hasn't scored in mm. almost 30 games. It seemed against the Rangers like any time he grabbed, touched the puck, he took a shot. Uh, he's gripping it too tight. Uh, he came real close. You've got to think in his head right now, he's feeling like he's 
underwhelming as a player and not living up to the billing, which is arguable. However, uh, I feel for the guy because he is a core player. He's just in a rut right now. It's ironic when you think of how the team as a whole is producing offensively like nobody's business, yet there's Morgan Riley who um, couldn't put a golf ball in a soccer net, but he'll get it. Yeah, it's a little it's a little strange. I mean, uh, even though he took, I think I think it was eight or nine shots on goal, may have been even more la- last night. I still sensed some tentative qualities in Riley's play, where uh, he gets the puck and he's immediately passing it because he he knows that he's struggling. And you know, on that on that play in overtime where he gets the feed and and is stopped. Um, and then it comes back and uh, Anthony D'Angelo scores the winner for the Rangers. I mean, last year he scored 20 mm-hmm. goals. That puck would have been in the net. It's, it's a little puzzling. I know that he missed practice time earlier in the year with, with some undisclosed injury. Uh, I'm sure that the, the switchover from uh, Babcock, who he was the favorite son of, you know, he, I mean, he was thanked by Babcock in his statement. Um, and now, you know, he's taken off the top power play with Tyson Berry, but he's still the most important defenseman on yeah. this team. Maybe the, some of that stuff is affecting him mentally, but he's an important guy. They it. have to get him on track. Yeah. I think he'll find it. Yeah. Pretty amazing shooting percentage, 2.8%. By contrast, Austin Matthews, 18.1%. Um, Morgan Riley, he'll be fine. Justin Hull. I mean, I've, I've read a lot of comments about, um, just how well he's doing and how he's adjusting and going from a guy who could barely crack the lineup, um, the seventh defenseman, to someone who's going to be relied upon heavily, not only in the near term, but down the stretch and for seasons to come. Yeah, it's, it's ironic how the point of view of one person can change the um, future of, of one player. He was scratched as a healthy scratched 71 games last year. And when he played in the 11 games, there was no sign of that being wrong because I don't think Mike Babcock really had confidence in Justin Hall and he did not play very well in those 11 mm-hmm. games this year. Um, I think he came to training camp with a better mindset. Yep. He played better. He played, he played under Babcock, but he was on the bottom pairing. He has been a top four defenseman since Sheldon Keefe uh, joined the club. And I don't think that's going to change. He has confidence in him. I think that, uh, he's a UFA and I think they're going to, after January 1st, you're going to hear some contract extensions from the Leafs. Possibly. I wouldn't be surprised if Hall was one of them. And you got Zach Hyman and Kasperi Kapanen each with nine goals. Double K has played 40 games. ZH has played 21. Clearly, mm-hmm. um, Hyman's been a force since he's returned. Kapanen has been a little bit underwhelming, but it seems like uh, things are starting to go his way, at least of late. Yeah, I, I, the thing with Kapanen that I keep seeing, because he's been moved from line to line because of injuries, he's been moved from right wing to left wing, I think Keefe should basically, you're my third line right winger, go out there and do what you do best. Because every time they switch him to a different line, every time they switch him yeah. to one side, where I don't think he, he plays the left side really well, I, it discombobulates mm-hmm. him, and I, I think that that that's that's a that's a problem. He needs consistency, and I think if you provide that, he will provide it back. As for um, who I'm sorry, who's the other guy we Hyman. talked about? Hyman. Okay, as for as for Hyman, um, if 
if he is if he had played like this through 40 games if he had not been out the first couple months he could arguably make a case for him as the mvp of this team because he provides things that nobody else provides he goes into the corners he goes to the dirty areas he digs out the puck and gets it to tavares or gets it to matthews I, if I could sign up for three more yep. Zach Hyman's, I would. He does not mess around. You know, talking about Kasperi Kapanen and how he hasn't found a home, William Nylander's in the same situation, although he's not producing like he's nomadic and lost and he's doing pretty well this season, could be out for a career year when all is said and done. Um, Sheldon Keefe, will he ever find himself under criticism for mixing things up too much? And too often, I know it's refreshing compared to Mike Babcock, who basically threw lines mm-hmm. out there and just went with it no matter what, because it was his way or the highway. And he was working in a way that was 10 years past its expiry date. But do you think Sheldon Keith's ever going to come under fire or at least under criticism for maybe mixing things up a little too much? I, I don't think so, at least until it doesn't work. I mean, right now it's worked. I mean, I think in, in response to... F- over four years of Babcock being very static sure. and very set in, set in his ways, it's refreshing not only to the players on the team, but to the fans and to the media that he will throw out Matthews and Marner. He will mm-hmm. put Nealander with Tavares, which we ha- wouldn't have se- ever seen, I think, uh, with with uh, with Babcock. Um, the only the only time I think it will be pointed out as a negative is he puts a combination together and it clearly doesn't work. But based on what Keith has talked about after games, if it doesn't work, he's going to quickly change it. So I think the players are now prepared for the fact that if you like, for example, Austin Matthews played badly in New Jersey. I think he was minus three. He didn't see the Austin Matthews share of ice time in the third period or he was moved, he was moved around. That's going to happen. If you're not, if you don't have it, you know, like in basketball, if you don't have it, you're going to sit the bench and somebody else who might be shooting better is going to have the opportunity. That's a, a refreshing point of view when it comes to, you just don't keep throwing a guy out when he doesn't have it. Did you see that your picture uh, interviewing Sheldon Keith made the broadcast? Yes. I'm going to have to start uh, asking for uh, some sort of, uh, some sort of recompense when it comes to uh, sports yeah. net, because they've used that picture a few times and Hey, I like the exposure. What can I and say? Interestingly <laughs> enough, you look like the only one in that picture with his eyes open. Well, I guess I guess they I guess they caught me at a good moment because sometimes sometimes I'm yeah. looking into space, sometimes I, I'm listening with my eyes, eyes closed. Yeah. And, and the pictures on community right now, youtube.com slash the leafs combo. Sheldon keeps asking himself, what did I get myself into? Why did I do this? This Mike Agello guy won't let me off the hook. Amazing stuff. <laughs> Just a, a few more things before we go, and I have one more question about a, a Leafs player. Uh, that is going to be vital to this team's success down the stretch, uh, at least in my opinion. I put a poll on community. I asked uh, OGs and converts to watch a video I sent out. Mike, you'll remember this, from Rocky Four after Apollo's funeral. Rocky gets into his Lamborghini and goes for a spin, right? And mm-hmm. um, it's the No Easy Way Out song playing, and he's doing the flashback of him and Apollo and him and Adrian and him getting ready to fight uh, Drago. I don't know if you remember that montage, but I asked the question, is it too hype or unfortunately with my spelling error, is it too chess? Meaning, is it too cheesy? Do you recall that, mm. that montage? And now it, it, when you do, 
and you think back on it and you get that lump in your throat. Mm-hmm. Was that too cheesy or too hype? It was too cheesy oh, because honestly, of, 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 of the Rockies, that's, that was my jump the shark uh, moment. It, like Rocky three was my favorite and him beating up Clubber Wang after Mickey dies. Um, that's, that was good. Uh, you know, basically, you know, being the anti-communist, uh, uh, uh poster boy, <laughs> uh, beating up Drago at, at the, you know, in Moscow, I'm sorry. It's just, it was just too much. Actually, that was at uh, one of the arenas in Vancouver reading into the, the history of the movie. Like I typically do, I spend more time reading about a movie while it's on than watching the movie. I love it. I still get excited about it. I love those flashbacks. They, they, they choke me up a little bit. They remind me of sports flashbacks and stuff like that. So I had to put that out there. Unfortunately, just reading it now, I wrote the, the two options. Uh, was Rocky IV's uh, music montage after Apollo's funeral too hype or too chess? So uh, I'll have to keep an eye on my spelling. I'm pretty good at spelling, uh, but I don't know. Maybe I had my glasses what off it, or I may have been inebriated. Yeah. Who knows? What, what is this, searching for Bobby Fischer? Yeah, it's, 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 it's pretty bad. Just want to do a quick little uh, roll call for the OGs and the converts who do a nice job contributing to community. Steve Hardman, Lord Longmarch, cool and trending. Minecraft dad and son. Is this a dad and son kind of thing? Listening to the podcast. I like bringing family together over some Leafs talk. Brad Randell. Brad, thank you very much. I miss soup and muzzy, says Severino Cudicio. I still feel like that name is made up, but uh, an incredible contributor to our community. John Howard, Brad Randell again. And of course, Timberwolf, the London lad. When are you going to come in and buy that Bronco from me? I know they're not coming out to like 2021, but put an order in now and leave a huge deposit there, Timberwolf. Last question for you, Mike. Is Michael Mm -hmm. Hutchinson the backup for this team going forward all the way to a Stanley Cup championship? Good question. I'm not sure. I mean, basically right now, as long as he keeps winning, I think that it takes alleviates some of the pressure off of Kyle Dubas to go out and get a backup. I mean, there were rumors about and last month there was a or earlier this month, excuse me, there was rumors about that the Leafs looking at a, a KHL goaltender who's setting some record numbers. Problem is that they can't sign him until next year. So the here and the now before the deadline, I think the reason that they're sticking with Hutchinson is because the prices for a you know a Georgiev or uh, you know one of the Pittsburgh goaltenders like Casey DeSmith or Ryan Miller are just ridiculous. And if that's the case, then I don't think they're going to be robbed for a goaltender who's going to play you know, once every four or five starts. They're you know they'll stick with Hutchinson, hope that they can win. And I mean, the season is heavily reliant on Freddie Anderson, and that's the little bit of a concern for me is that before the break and after the break. He looks a little sluggish, and you got to remember, for most of the mo- late late November and December, his workload was much heavier than it normally is, and that's going to have ramifications going down the stretch. And they have to find somebody who can give him regular rest so he is fresh for the playoffs. Georgiev, the Bulgarian Patrick Waugh. It's true. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah, I, 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 I jokingly made that sort of uh, – that sort of, uh, you know, moniker for him. And, but he's, I don't think he's a number one goaltender. I, I, you know, Russ Cohen, who I do a podcast with, uh, who's a big Ranger follower mm-hmm. says he doesn't think Georgiev is, is a future number one, but the Rangers are playing him like a number one, I think to sort of sell him as a number mm-hmm. one option. And that that's why they're probably going to ask for a lot in a trade for him. 
He's not a number one. He's a really good number two, but that's what the Leafs need is a really good number two. The Leafs at the Wild on New Year's Eve. I do not work that day, Mike. What do you say we reconvene for the last Leafs convo of 2019 then? Sounds good. Talk to you soon, buddy. Thanks, Norb.